fit in Make believing Is hard alone Out here on my own We're always proving Who we are Always reaching For that rising star To guide me far And shine me home Beautiful, beautiful voice. What a voice. track. Mate, she was the ultimate vocal triple threat performer. Yeah, Just right. Just unbelievable. And, you know, and we are the 80s montage. I'm Sammy Hardon. And I'm Jay Jovi. Devastated about Irene Cara. I think she was the first one I'd seen that could do everything. We've had a big couple of losses this week, mm. uh, you know, right together. It always happens before Christmas, doesn't it? Yeah, everything happens before Christmas. People get so shitty, we, they kill each other, they fucking, you name it. Just stress and I don't know. I, don't, mm. I, th- I think, so, yeah, it's really weird. You know, we've had a couple of Christmases where we've lost some 80s legends and, you know, here we are again. So we're... um. Tonight we're going to be sort of looking at the music and the life of Irene Cara, but also the beautiful Christine McVie from mm. um, Fleetwood Mac. And, um, yeah, we're just going to sort of look at the music. I guess the episode's called From from Cara to McVie or something like that. And, but, and we're looking um, at Christy Yeah, well. yeah. Kirstie Alley. Oh, Kirstie Alley, yeah. Kirstie Alley, yep. Um, yeah, sorry, that was a huge was shock. And they're quite, yeah. look, I know sort of Christine McVeigh, and we're doing remote as well tonight, guys, because um, we're incredibly busy and I'm sorry for, we've had a, a couple of inconsistencies with our releases, but we are doing lots of gigs. It's Christmas yeah, time. Yeah, we are. We're travelling all around Australia. We did Sydney and Alice Springs last weekend. Mm. And, uh, yeah, we're all over the place again this weekend coming up. So bear with us, guys. We love yeah, you. I haven't forgotten yeah. about Very you. Very busy year. Yeah. And on top of it, Maddie and I have got pseudo, so that's another three states a weekend on the off weeks, which mm. has been great. But Maddie, being the producer, can't edit, and we're just not at home, and it's full on. But yeah, uh, yeah, I've I've had a little bit of a shock this week because there was an incident in Sandhurst in my area where a little girl was knocking on the door to get. Her mum saved. She was being stabbed by the husband. Oh, I know it's horrible no. to say, 
But I was sitting there on Sunday night and I looked up at the TV and I knew it was her straight away, my friend um, oh, Naomi. Jesus. I haven't seen her in years. I used to teach her kids music and that would have been one of the kids I would have taught. And this is the shit that happens around Christmas. People oh, are God. fuckwits and so they hurt each other. Sometimes. Yeah. And domestic violence is fucking on the Richter scale. Not only that, Friday night, Rewind 80s, we do the forensic police police ball mm-hmm. and they cannot go out for Christmas drinks around Christmas. It's really obvious that that is the busiest time of the year because yeah. everyone's emotions are so high and sometimes I fucking don't care about Christmas, mate. It's just... You know, the romanticy of it, there's a lot of darkness that comes with it as well, you know? Yeah, yeah. No, I, I really get that because it's sort of people, the cost of living is fucking sky high at the moment and then they're put under all this sort of cultural pressure to sort of provide and fucking buy people things and yeah. all of that. And it's really sad because it's not what Christmas should be no. all about. It's just about, no. it should be about company and togetherness. You know, not sending yourself broke and fucking yeah. stressing yourself out, you know. So, That's right. Yeah. I mean, look, so, I do love getting together with relatives and people and stuff like that, but the dark side of it is quite disturbing. Yeah, and, um, absolutely. If you do feel a little bit unbalanced and a little bit weird, ring someone and tell them don't hide it, don't pretend to be something you're not because it's fucking yeah. Christmas, you know. Just get help because, you know, I noticing that a friend of mine was killed by her partner and those three little kids I used to teach music to now don't have a mother for Christmas. Oh, my God. Is the fucking worst thing I could have seen this year, you know. Yeah, horrible. Absolutely And you've horrible. had a horrible week too, babe, as well and, yeah, you know, we had Maggie to, putting – We had to put Maggie to sleep after 12 fantastic years. But, look, it, yep. it um, was a relief. It really felt like sort of uh, an agreement between the three of us and, you know, yep. when I saw her relief, it just sort of washed away my grief, you know. Yeah. I miss, mm. miss her, obviously, but um, – yeah, and the house is sort of very quiet, but Leo's sort of, <laughs> you know, Leo's, um, uh, you know, having him around and he's sort of, you know, constant, needs constant attention and so forth. Mm. So, um, yeah, thank God for him because I think we'd be, we'd be a mess. Yeah, but, for um, sure. Yeah, yeah. But look, I guess, I guess when horrible things happen in the world, it really and and the loss of people as well. Yeah, it's really an opportunity to recap, have a m- bit of a moment of nostalgia, and especially yeah. when we have, um, you know, beautiful musicians who are passing, beautiful artists like Irene Cara, like um, Christine McVie and Kirsty Alley. We can kind of like look mm. back at their music and their work and stuff, and and just really appreciate it. And um, you know what what happens these days is. The songs go back into the charts. It's just wonderful. It's it's yeah, a yeah. it's a it's a beautiful yeah, send off right. in that way. So mm. that's what we're going to do tonight, guys. Try to bring some focus yeah. to um, you know these songs so that they're they're not forgotten. 
So Irene Cara was the first artist to have two Grammy Awards for the one soundtrack. Wow. So it was for Out Here on My Own and Fame. Yeah. She was winning, you know, like Out Here on My Own I think as a song for me resonated as an artist because it's exactly how it feels. You're out there on your own the whole fucking time you're trying this thing and as much as you think you're not, you go out there and you sing and you dance and you do your thing and it was just, I mean, Fame was also the movie that made everyone want to learn how to do music and singing and acting. It wasn't really that big in those years. It was something you didn't do. You just went out and did it. But then you could study for once and you could go to this school of the arts and it was a real new thing for us in Australia to look at and the world really. And it's she was an inspiration to a lot of artists, Irene Cara, and a fucking phenomenal voice range-wise and also no thrills, no fucking frills and bullshit. Like she's way before Whitney, way before Mariah and just as fucking good, you know. And I appreciated her a lot more because she could move and she could feel the music. Like there wasn't a a week that she wasn't on solid gold where she was dancing and singing. For me that's more interesting than a fucking really good singer. I like the performance side of it. Yeah. And my dad said, oh, Sammy, you'll be upset about Irene Cara because she was – a amazing songwriter and, a, and an amazing singer and that track itself out here on my own is really sad and really like, you know, no one else may believe in you but yourself, you know. Yeah, and gotcha. then it's like you're talking about yourself in another entity where, you know, don't let me down, make sure we can do this, you know. It, it's an interesting mm. conversation she has with herself in that song. So I really dig that song and that was one of the first tracks – I sang when I was about 13 or 14. I was too young to do it. Oh, I might have started earlier than that but I couldn't reach the notes. It was just a big sing and that's when you really start to go, shit, this chick can sing yeah. and she can dance. And I think it, what was it? I think her name was Coco Hernandez in Fame. In the show, yeah, in yeah. Fame. Yeah. And and we loved these characters in the movie and it was just exciting, you know. She Her um, her real name was Irene Cara Escalera and, she, you know, she, you can imagine sort of one, one really good thing about fame was um, and it's one fantastic thing about showbiz is mm. – uh, diversity, you know, the the um, showbiz has has always been, especially dancers, especially dancers. Like you know, movie stars and so forth can be a little bit whitewashed, but if you can dance, it does not matter. People don't care. It doesn't matter where you're from. If you can dance, that's the only thing that speaks. You know, mm. if you if you can sing, that's the only thing that speaks, you know. And um, she would have been a massive inspiration for sort of young Latina girls at the time. And especially in such a in such such a big film, you know. But um what you know, one thing that I love about her is she's sort of a performer's performer. She, you, she, you can always tell that she's sort of in touch with, you know, her trying to make it. All her songs are about trying to make it, having belief in herself, reaching higher, you know. And um, it's something especially as a young performer growing up that you really connect to. 
Well, they don't do it like that anymore. No, no. one does that anymore. Mm. And this is why we're fucking 50 still pumping our shit because yeah. the 13-year-olds and the 14-year-olds think they can stand there and go, la, 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 and sing fucking whatever. Yeah. And it's not interesting. So this is the thing. The thing about Irene is her energy and her energy was on another dimension and that's the thing that you felt with her. You felt like you were watching something that was special and mm-hmm. she really fucking felt it, you know. Yeah. And you go through that stage when you first start out where you do really feel it and yeah. then you don't kind of want to share it that much with people and you, you couldn't give a fuck. You're just like, you know what, just give me my money, I'm fucking out of here. So yeah. that was that's the really exciting part of when you first start performing as well. But she never wanted to be a huge success story like a, a huge, you know, album chick where she had a million albums out. She really mm. loved just doing it and putting yeah. out records with whoever she Just wanted to have a career. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's right. And they do have a career. When you have a couple of movie soundtracks, you've done better than anyone, you know. God, yeah. Absolutely. Because uh, they're worth – it's worth a lot of points, a lot of money. And – you know, she's like the Kenny Loggins of um, the movie world, you know, like the female version of if she was on everything like Kenny was. Oh, soundtracks, you yeah, mean? Like yeah, like soundtracks. I mean she was really only a soundtrack singer. She did have other singles which we're going to play later. But she tried to break out as a breakout artist and then she was just thrown back into that soundtrack thing and yeah, it was still good enough. You know, it was still good she enough. She did it so well because, I mean, essentially she's – an actor. She's sort of that New York, um, um, that new, you know, that that New York mold of a triple threat. You've got to be a singer, dancer, actor because you know Broadway mm, is the centre of anywhere. the industry there. And um, yeah, you've got to. You can't have a weakness. You've you've got to sort of be strong in all those areas. So um, yeah, it's it, it sort of her music really lends itself to to soundtracks. I reckon she's an amazing storyteller. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So good old Irene, loved her to death. Uh, The next one we're going to look at is this little lady who is probably the opposite spectrum but still as unique and fantastic.
was a shock, wasn't it? This one came out of nowhere, yeah, didn't it? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Um, I couldn't believe it. She's my mum's age. She doesn't. She doesn't sort of. I don't know. Irene Curry was, I think, sixty three when she. Yeah, died, that's right. Like, too, so too young. young. Um, yeah. Christine McVie was seventy nine. She didn't seem seventy nine. No, she didn't. She didn't. You still think of them as fifty, you know? Yeah, that's right. Like they're just sort of mum and mum and dad age. You know what I mean? Like yeah, that's right. She doesn't seem seventy nine. She she doesn't look seventy nine. Um, but I didn't realise about her that she's actually British. Did not know much about her at all, to be honest with you. I didn't know she wrote as many songs as she did. I know that's sacrilege, but I. Uh, did not realise she wrote one of my favourite Fleetwood Mac songs. Yeah, I, I really underrated her. I, um, you, you <laughs> yeah, know. I really underrated you. Me too. I fucking did too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just something Sorry. about it. Yeah, yeah. I um, had a little problem with my audio then. We may have to do a little edit. I'm not sure. Oh, no, don't but, worry about it. It's all good. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, she – I always thought of her – I don't know. It's a bit reductive, but the way that they tell the story of Fleetwood Mac is is that it's all sort of people having relationships together and they're they're falling in and out of love and breaking up and stuff and they're writing music about it. You know, that's the that's yeah. the sort of narrative of Fleetwood Mac. And I always, you know, you hear the story how she joined the band as John McVie's wife. Um, oh God, she was just she was so much more than John McVie's wife. Yeah, yeah, that's you know? right. Um, She's a writing bloody all keyboard those player. That's right, keyboards Fucking and um, incredible songwriter and singer. Yeah, yeah, that's right. She looked like she looks to me like the chick that would have sat back and watched everything and then just written it in a song. That's right. You know what yeah, I mean? exactly, exactly. Where a real observer. Fucking Lindsay and. Um, Stevie would have been punching each other out. She would have just sat there. She's yeah. a little bit Dallas. She'd yeah. be sitting there like Dallas watching and then she would just say something. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. And then that's yeah. it, you know. Um, yeah. Yeah, there's, um, I don't know, like fuck Fleetwood Mac have been huge as it, in the last couple of years as it is yeah. because of the fucking TikTok shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But quite sad. I mean... What are they going to do, you know? What are they going to do to I don't replace know. her? I really don't know. It's sort of, ah, uh, yeah. It, it's it's um, it's really sad. I didn't expect it. I really didn't expect it. No. Um, when I heard it, I was still sort of getting over Irene Cara's death. and Yeah. Um, yeah, I just don't know what to say about it. It's sort of, it's like the end of Fleetwood Mac, you know? I don't know. Yeah, that's Very right. Sad. Absolutely. And mm. she has left them before and they have toured without her. Yeah. But the problem is with us, when you're getting to a certain age, people are going to start dying. That's the reality. Yeah, yeah that's and it. Honestly, we should be doing a Fleetwood Mac tune at the wedge, but I don't have yeah. fucking time. With all these people just dropping like flies. Because yeah, that's right. I've got 24 gigs a week. It's really hard to keep tabs on that. But 
I mean, Fleetwood Mac, there's so many podcasts in this one podcast. Like we could do Fleetwood Mac. We could mm. do Irene Cara. Like I was going to do a whole podcast on Irene Cara. There's enough there for that because it's an, an amazing story, that woman. And, you know, Jesus, um, Kirsty, you could do as well, you know. Yeah, that's right. No, I mean, I was sort of, you know, when when I was thinking of this show and and um, you know what we could possibly do, I was thinking of all the artists that we have lost this year, like um, bloody um, Olivia Newton-John. Sorry, I had a had a uh, a complete brain fart then. Of course, um, Meatloaf as well. Jerry Jerry Lee Lewis. Um, was Meatloaf this year? Yeah, it was this year. Jesus, it feels like Bloody, 10 years ago. Um, who else? Angela Lansbury, Sydney Poitier. Um, yeah, there's heaps. Yeah, really sad. Mm. Yeah, That's really right. sad. There's like absolute heaps. There were so many people that we lost this year. Um, yeah, and, and I guess the thing about Christine McVie that's sort of sad is that she was – she was always thought of as the sensible one. She, as you say, she was the one that used to sort of sit back and watch everything happen and just... Everyone liked her. Yeah, yeah, mm. yeah. When things got crazy, she sort of really had a had a steady head. And I think it's incredible to be able to like, you know, split up from your partner and, and continue having a professional relationship and, you know, doing great things. That's um, right. Yeah, incredible. Have we got another song, Bubba? Uh, no, we're going to look at um, uh, My Name is Prince. Reason being is the first thing I thought of when I heard that Kirsty had died. It's Kirsty, isn't it? Kirsty Alley? Kirsty Alley, yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought of Vanessa Bartholomew. I can't even pronounce it because I'm Yeah, just but Vanessa Bartholomew. Yeah, oh, fuck. from it's My catchy. Name is Prince. And I know it's from 1992 but it's – it was a real shock when, when Prince brought this out and I think he sort of had the hots for her a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah, he did, yeah. Anyone he used he loved. She's tough. And, yeah, she's tough and she's sort of cute looking. So I thought I would play this just to bring her into the picture. Here we go. Good evening, I'm Lauren Green. Uh, we have a disturbance in downtown Minneapolis. The details are sketchy right now, but we're going to go live to Vanessa Bartholomew, who is in downtown Minneapolis right now. Vanessa, what can you tell us? Yes, Lauren, I'm here. I, I, it's a little bit hard to hear you, so I'm just going to try and uh, update you on what happened. Uh, apparently, Prince and the NPG were uh, staging a free concert at Paisley Park. A few hundred kids showed up only to find a group of imposters on the stage. There was apparently some sort of a glass tube with a mannequin in it dressed as Prince. Then a video screen came down to show that Prince and his band were actually here in Minneapolis at their nightclub, the Glam Slam. And that's when the violence started? Yes, kids practically tore up the backstage at Paisley Park. Oh, that was cute. She did a great job at that, actually. And yeah, she was on that cool. album, wasn't she? she yeah, was that's right. She on the right. Symbol album. She played all the way through. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah, she, she was awesome. He would have loved her. Prince would have loved her because she was she was t- tough, you know. Like she, yeah. had a, she had a toughness about her. Yeah. She yeah, was totally. 71 when she died. Yeah, that's right. That's still fairly young, mm, I reckon. Yeah. yeah. Colon cancer, they reckon. Oh, colon Which cancer. Is the worst Far thing in, if you don't oh diagnose you know, if you don't, yeah. But uh, 
I are you a Cheers fan? Oh yeah, God yeah. Well, she of course um, uh, took over from uh, who was the chick before her in Cheers. Um, oh God, I always forget this chick's name. Shelley Long. Shelley Long. She took over from Shelley Long, mm. and um, everybody thought that would be the end of Cheers when Shelley Long left. But um, she really held alone, uh, held her own, Kirstie Alley. Um, yeah. She did a great job. And it just had great comic timing and, yeah, it was good. Yeah, and we'll play a bit of Cheers later on in the show because um, everyone loves Cheers. I've never understood Cheers. I was like, mm, yeah. it's just a bit stupid for me. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I can definitely – I liked her in it much better than Shelley Long. Like I can't see – uh, how Shelley Long was a little bit dumber, I think, in the show, and she wasn't. She was just a little bit. I don't know. Yeah, but Shelley. It, it's the Shelley only Long thing on TV sexy. in America. Shelley Long sort of wasn't sexy, and Kirsty nah. Alice sort of br- brought this sexiness into the show. It was um, really, really different. She's got a really sexy voice. She's played some sexy roles. Mm. Um, I remember in um, like she's got an amazing sort of eighties uh, pedigree. She was in. Star Trek Two: The Wrath of Khan. She played a Klingon, um, not a not a fucking Klingon, a Vulcan. You know, like um, Spock. Mm-hmm. Um, and she was gorgeous. She was really good. Um, she was in Look Who's Talking, of course. Yeah, John Travolta's pretty fucked up over it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's sort of losing all his mates. It's really sad. Oh yeah, big time. Yeah. yeah. And she was in, in 85, she was in a telly movie. I kind of always think of Kirstie Alley in terms of this silly telly movie. It was called um, A Bunny's Tale and it oh. was about it was about a sort of um, like an undercover... Uh, it was written by Gloria Steinem, who's this amazing sort of American journalist and, and feminist, and she wanted to go... It's like a true story, this... this Telling movie, she wanted to go undercover and go into uh, the Playboy Mansion because they used to, Playboy used to have uh, like men's clubs, like gentlemen's clubs, and she wanted to sort of go in and see what it was really like because there was this sort of shroud of secrecy. Nobody knew what was happening, sort of in these clubs, and she basically went in, applied for the job to become a Playboy bunny, like a waitress, and. Um, yeah, this is what the film is all about. And this is, you know, when I was a kid and saw her in sort of 1985 in, in A Bunny's Tale, I just thought Kirstie Alley was like the most beautiful woman in the world. Like gorgeous, gorgeous sort of light eyes and, and um, you know, dark, beautiful hair. And she was stunning. She did a really great job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, Bunny's mm. Tale, 1985. I haven't seen it to be... Yeah, it's good. I really liked it. And she suits the Playboy bunny look, I reckon, because she's just got the big jugs and she's fantastic looking and interesting, you know, beautiful olive skin, anything like that uh, is gorgeous. And a great voice, like you said. She's got that husky voice, which is incredible. Hey, I just want to mention we got mail this week. This is the first time we've ever got mail. Did you know about this? Yeah, yeah, somebody got in touch with this, uh, got in touch with us on Messenger and just asked if they could send something through for us to have a listen to. What is it? Tell us about it. No, it's a book. A book? So it's called The Ten Tracks Mixtape Tasks and it's a fucking novel. Here it is. 
The 10 tracks mixtape task by Spun Counter Guy. I haven't read it as yet because I haven't had a chance, but it's a, it's a novel. Like he's fully read, like written a novel about oh the mixtapes. And, and who wrote it? Uh, he wrote it was Spud Counter Guy. So that's obviously that's a stage right. name. Spud's who got in touch with us. And look, I will, I finished my uni degree after two years. Great. And I've got, I've got spare time on my hands. So I'm going to read that book when I come over next week. Yes. And I'll do a little book review on yeah, it. Yeah, that would be awesome because it takes a lot of time to write books. And okay, absolutely. Set in the 1980s, the 10 tracks mixtape task centres around the hopelessly awkward high school student TJ who is convinced that if he can find all the songs that he has been played at a particular party, he'll win the heart of a local cutie named Tessa. But getting the track list is not easy. The DJ making, TJ, along with his devoted little sister, Estrella, earn each song, sending the two siblings on a mission to fix various wrong, various wrongs in their small town. Mm, that Very sounds exciting. pretty cool. Sounds Thank you for cool. that. And we'll put it on our Instagram and everything, but that's really special. There you go, Spud. So there's your little plug, mate. Yeah, and, good um, on please, you, Spuddy. 80s Files, please get amongst it and um, and order that book. The title again, Sammy? The Ten Tracks Mixtape Tasks. Fantastic. Well, a book review coming your way, everyone. Yeah, that's awesome. You're going to have time mm. to read that book. I am. I can't wait. Yeah, but yeah, I'm yeah. I'm going to have time to great. read whatever I like. It looks really good. It's a really good cover and... Yeah, send in anything you want that you want to promote on the show. Like that's what we want. Our viewers want to hear this stuff. They want to read about it, you know, blah, blah, blah. And uh, it's really, really interesting. So I've got another Irene Cara tune, which is one of my favourites of hers. We have played it before but, oh, look, it, it deserves another whirl. Here we go.
There you go. What a track. Fantastic. What a track. She was a real disco diva. I love it. Yeah, and in the last couple of years of her life, she became a bit of a recluse, though. And didn't want to talk to anyone. She wasn't interested in seeing anyone and sort of lived on her own, Mm. which is, I don't know, a bit full on, but that can happen as we see with ABBA and artists that have been huge. They just want to be on their own, you know. She did win a Grammy for – an Oscar and a Grammy for Flashdance. What a feeling as well. So it says a lot when – you've actually written the songs, you know what I mean? Because in yeah. those days they were starting to write songs like Giorgio Moroder was writing for Blondie and Giorgio Moroder was writing all these amazing songs. Now Giorgio did write Flashdance but yeah. got her involved as much as he could with the songwriting and that's where the, where it's incredible, you know. I wonder if Giorgio wrote the track and she wrote the lyrics or what went on? Oh, I think she she played piano, so who knows? Okay. You know, could have been yeah. both. Could have mm. been both for sure. I mean, Giorgio just puts the do, 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 do bloody arpeggio through everything. Yeah, And yeah. Uh, I, I've worked with producers like that of a different nature where they speak to you and they sing to you these things and you're like, what the fuck are you talking about? When I did mm. the Neighbours jingle years ago, I, I worked with this guy called Cesari. People will know Cesari for sure. And he used to go, I want you to sing like this, Neighbours, everybody gives a name. Like out of pitch, out of tone and you had to turn it into something. Oh, Christ. You know, okay. oh, yeah, full on. They've got no, you know, they, they don't know how to pitch. It just depends on the situation. So having a really good vocalist there is always a, is a, is always a plus but – yeah, she just always, always find that funny with directors who are, you know, like a lot of directors are directors because they want to create, but they're not a performer. They don't have the voice. They're not able to act. You know, they're, they're not a performer, but they can absolutely see what they want and they're sort of guiding other people into it. And I always find yeah. it funny when those people think – that you're going to get what they mean when they demonstrate to you yeah, what they want. Yeah, that's right. That's <laughs> and right, yeah. And, and you don't. Yeah, you're like, oh, okay. Yeah, right. I mean, everyone <laughs> yeah. knows the fucking Neighbours jingle. I just had to sing the fucking Neighbours jingle, but yeah. he wanted to show mm. me how to sing the Neighbours jingle, you know. And that's the thing. It's uh, it's a control thing. It's um, yeah. just needing to be. Oh, sometimes it's about putting yourself out there in front so that you feel like you're you're there. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. Exactly. But she actually looked beautiful up until her death. She looked incredible. Beautiful skin. Just Roger. looked fit. The whole thing. So yeah, she, but she wasn't around anyone at the time. And when I think of Irene Cara, I obviously think of Jennifer Beals. And those two were kind of, you know, coloured girls that were doing stuff and when you're 12, 13, that's pretty amazing to watch in front of you because it wasn't a big thing. Yeah. I watched um, I watched Flashdance the other day and oh, yeah. that really struck me that, um, 
you know, you, you had sort of Irene Cara with the big track in in the in the song in the in the film, but sort of then you had Jennifer Beals who was sort of darker and with like curly brown hair, very very sort of Latina looking, um, and she wasn't that sort of white blonde movie star. No, uh, like I I no. love that about Flash Dance. Mm. This is what I mean mm. about. Um, dancing and singing that's different to acting, if you're an incredible dancer, if you're an incredible singer, that will push you to the front. It doesn't matter where you're from, you know. Yeah, Jennifer Beals wasn't incredible, wasn't a very good dancer. She wasn't? She had, no, she had people do it for her. Oh, yeah, is that yeah. right? Oh, God, mm. yeah. It yeah. was the, It was um, – they had some of the breakdance crews do the bloody dance moves for her and – you know, she did so much, but she is an inc- an incredible dancer. Yeah. She, um, I'm just trying to think of the girl that did the choreography. They put a wig on her all the time, and she, you oh, know, shit, is it she might have done the running on the spot bit and blah blah blah. But she oh, yeah, run on the spot really quick. Go. Yeah, yeah. She was definitely not dancing material. You right. Know? But I loved her passion and. And the fact that she did look different to everyone at the time. Yeah. And the the whole windsheeter thing, off the shoulder thing, was a windsheeter she made herself and it became Is iconic. Right? So wow. that was the thing that she brought to the table was the windsheeter and and just being, you know, uh, I guess, I don't know, mm. a really cool chick. And she's still yeah. doing shit now. Like the L word is fucking – I haven't even watched the new L word. I haven't even got there. But, you know, she's doing producing that and blah, 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 blah. But always interesting. She had an appearance see. in Star Wars in um, – Oh, uh, yeah. What was it? The, yeah. One of the Star Wars TV shows. She was yeah. in – she was like fantastic in that. Yeah. I could imagine she would be professional and a real true – not a pain in the ass, you know yeah. what I mean? Like you get so big and you can be a pain in the ass but before you get there you got to sort of do the hard yards and make sure that you, you're doing shit, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And then there's people that work really hard and get fucking nowhere. You just it's, yeah, exactly. it's such a really weird dynamic to be a performer and an artist and, a, and a, someone that's in movies or film or it's really interesting. But Yeah. Yeah, so – those two sort of go together, you know, and I'm sure Jennifer, I, I haven't read her, I don't really read their Instagram or Twitter and stuff like that. I wouldn't know what they're going through but I'm sure she uh, would be in shock because she's 63. That's pretty young still, you know. That's only really 10 is. years from me. Yeah, yeah. You know, 10 years. It really is. Mm. So I wanted to look at this Fleetwood Mac track. It is from 1977 but it is fucking the epitome of everything that happened in that band and it's an amazing song. And I, my uncle used to play this album when we were kids all the time. Yep. Tusk. And I kind of got a bit sick of it. I was like, oh, can they stop the drums already? Like, fucking shut up. You know. But there yeah. was this song that stuck out for me and it was incredible because you can feel the anger and the fucking disappointment in oh, yeah. this track. It's amazing. Here we go. Mm-hmm. 
What a track. What a tune. I love it. Came out in 77, but they they did release stuff right into the 80s from Tusk. So, um, yeah, well, that's uh, right. Yeah, it was a big album. A lot of mileage from that album. Yeah. Well, just incredible, you know. And uh, it goes to show you, we've talked about this before, that dynamics in bands can really make good music. You know, yeah, absolutely. And it can make shit music as well, but they <laughs> fell on this on their ass and it worked. You know, which was great. It's funny because you this. sort of if if um if the music production in a band is good, like if the level of production, if if you're productive as a band, if you're writing heaps and releasing heaps, it's amazing what you can overcome. You know, so many bands that that just keep going and keep producing music and it's good and keep releasing oh my god uh, you know some of them some of them bloody hate each other but they see the value in the working relationship yeah yeah that, and that's really hard like Fuck that's yeah. really hard for some people to do i remember i wrote some great songs with that fuckwit drummer in bloody rewind 80s that we used to have and they were fucking great songs and he just fucking wiped his ass and said see you later yeah. And and it's like, yeah, but dude, you want to be a fucking rock star? You're fucking not. Like, yeah. let's get over it and I don't want you in my band. Doesn't mean we can't write music together. That was the kind of scenario that I got from that. And yeah. it's a shame because those records will never be seen, you know. Yeah, and yeah, terrible, yeah. It's like, well, it always happens. So it is hard to stay together and keep proactive as you say and sometimes if you just I mean but the thing is they were fucking you know what I mean I wasn't yeah, fucking Bozo right. from Rewind Daddies I was fucking hardly fucking him in a million Mick, years Mick thought you did yeah that's right remember that <laughs> oh that was funny so I was just like nah you just a fucking nightmare you know and this was a platform, you know, for you and now you've just turned everything down, you know. But mm. it's just interesting when you can't do that, you just can't do anything about it. But it is great that they still did it, like you said, you know. Yeah, yeah. It was very anguished, that album, but but look, um, yeah, amazing. And no one amazing. would have known what was going on. No, nah, that's it. We didn't have yeah, social exactly. media. You didn't have cameras. You didn't have shit going on. They were throwing parties with cocaine and then probably throwing knives the same night at each other. No one knew. Yeah. And this is the problem with the world today is that everyone knows what the fuck is going on with everyone that then you're worried about what they think of you and then you're worried about what they think of you. There was no worry and about feeling like fuckwits that you're staying together to write music, you know. 
Yeah, and it it has actually had a huge that very thing that you're you're talking about there has had a really profound cultural effect on audiences. Audiences have become that little bit dumber because they're used to now being fed everything. Yeah, that's and right. audiences in the yeah, audiences in the 70s and 80s and 90s and so forth before social media, they had to be interpretive. They had to sort of listen to the lyrics and like yeah. you, you may not even have access to printed lyrics. You yeah. really had to listen for yourself. That's right. Work out what they were saying and and be interpretive. You had to sort of fuck what could they possibly mean by that, you know? That's right. And, and, What's the and, change? And question, yeah. question the art like that. And and uh, yeah, uh, majority of audiences are not like that these days. They'll they'll search online for the meaning and if they can't find it, they just won't bother, you know? Yeah. The imagination yeah. behind it's gone. Yeah. And yeah. like I had um, this guy write on one of our posts for sale because we're doing sale on Saturday at the Wedge and he was a, like a fucking blues guy, you know, old crusty thing. They were always mm. bitter and twisted, those cunts. Anyway, he writes, oh, yeah, it'd be nice if an audience went and actually saw an original act and I thought, get fucked. Like we're all in fucking original acts and yeah. this is how we keep the shit together, you know? Yeah, that's so right. So I wrote yeah. that on the post. I said, dude, every one of us is an in, is, has an original thing and you don't know where we come from and the fact of the matter is we've just come out of COVID and I don't want to hear that shit, right? Then he wrote back and goes, well, I was only talking about the audience and I said, yeah, but you're on my fucking show post, mate. So <laughs> fuck off. And you could just tell the guy would have written shit music might have had one good song and he was bitter that no one wanted to listen, you know. But that's not the point. The point is, motherfucker, if you're shit, you're fucking shit, right? Don't write it on my fucking post because you're shit. I just have to look at your photo and know you're shit. And that's <laughs> the thing. You're giving out that energy to me. Can you only imagine what you're doing on stage? Like it's yeah. just people have no fucking concept of what Often you get sort of that that snobbery that some originals artists have towards covers or tribute acts, um, and it come it 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 um and, and they get very bitter because the the covers and the tribute acts constantly get work, and they may not necessarily. And there's like no it, industry. It, yeah, it either comes down to a lack of flexibility, or they're just fucking lazy. Yeah, you know? it's a lack of flexibility and not wanting to deal with it because. At the end of the day, everyone that had a fucking single in the 90s has got their one single in the 90s and they're fucking doing it live and then they're doing covers for the rest of the fucking night. So what are you talking about, you know? it's There's yeah. just no industry anymore. But yeah. I was just kind of like, dude, do it on your own post, you know? And it's, it's a fact that they want to be noticed as well, you know. But if you're whinging about being noticed, then you're not clever enough. Yeah, weird way to get fucking noticed. Yeah, no, they do it. And, you know, that whole cover band original thing sort of went out 15 years ago. Like people actually get it now. Mate, I don't care. As long as people are going out and seeing gigs for fuck's sake. Exactly. I mean, when we sat here for two years doing nothing with COVID, I couldn't sing. For two years it took me six months to get my voice back. Yeah. So why would I sit at home on my ass and write one track and do a couple of gigs a year when I can be singing 
every week and keeping gig fit. You know, you and um, but anyway, you and Maddie, my- you and Maddie could have done like a sort of you know. D- done those remote concerts like Jimmy Barnes and his yeah, missus. And yeah, you yeah, yeah. Matty would rather fucking kill himself. I'm telling you now, <laughs> right? You could have smiled into the side of oh, Matty's head. It would have been great. I know. I could have. I could have been Jimmy and Jane, but I just, I'd let them do it, you know. They love it. Yeah. It's awesome. And, yeah. you know, they 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 brought a lot of happiness to people as well. Mm. And it was really boring without people like that. And Kate Soprano was doing the same thing. There are a lot of she leaders in that situation. And, you know, there was a few nut jobs doing their own thing and it was just like, no, you know, but whatever. I wouldn't yeah. put it on their post that they're shit. I just think it, you know. <laughs> exactly. Or tell them to their face. Yeah. But, yeah right, what have we got next? Funny. Well, I was going to look at uh, a little bit of cheers. What do you reckon? Yes, please. It's pretty funny. So these are like little highlights. Here we go. You didn't knock. Habit. Oh, my God. Well, this place doesn't even look like my office anymore. Thank you. It wasn't easy. How could you do this? I mean, you, you, you took away all the, all the charm, all the warmth. Where's Dave? Dave? My moose head. I set him free. If he really loves you, he'll come back. Here you go. What's it? A severance check. Please be a stranger. Why? What what did I do? In baseball ease, Mr. Malone, you showed me up. You and the rest of the cats and jammer kids. Goodbye. Now, w- wait a minute. W- what about that conversation you had with your, uh... My what? Your, your heart. Your heart. You, you pitied me. You've spent your pity, Mr. Malone. Okay, fine. Yeah, you know, I don't want your pity anyway. You know, I can live without this job. I'll find another way of supporting myself. And my mother. I mean, now the, the doctor's only given me six months to live. Come on, please, listen. I, I swear to you, nothing like this will ever happen again. Come on, a decent boss would give me a second chance. I'll tell you something. I Don't say a guy would. I wasn't going to say a guy would, but he would. <laughs> All right, I'll give you another chance. All right, thank you. There you go. That was a bit long, but anyway. No, it was good. I love how tough she yeah. is. She really sort of takes him on. She's fucking great. He's great, great it too, made me though, think isn't of, he? Um, oh, yeah, yeah, Ted Danson. Yeah, fucking, fucking fantastic. I kind of um, – I, I always think of – she was really underrated as an actress. I mean, she did mm. some great things, Kirstie Alley. She could really act, man, and she had – Beautiful natural de- delivery. She didn't sort of ever overdo it. Yeah. Um, and she was a fucking great comedian. She was in um she was in a Woody Allen film called Deconstructing Harry that came out in the nineties. Um, I'll mention it now though because you got to check it out, guys. The performance is fucking incredible. Woody Allen though is very um 
um, he's very 80s to me, even though he sort of started making films in the in the 60s and 70s. But, um, you know, Woody had like some amazing 80s films like Hannah and Her Sisters and Purple Rose of Cairo, which is one of my favourite films. And um, this one that he did in the 90s, Deconstructing Harry, it's a fucking trippy film. Kirstie Alley's in it and she plays his wife um, briefly, wow. who's, a, who's a psychiatrist. And they have, they have this massive fucking argument because he can't keep his dick in his pants and he fucks one of her clients and she just loses it. And the performance that Kirstie Alley gives when she's fucking losing it, she's got like her hands around her necks choking him and everything. It's yeah. fucking fantastic. It's so funny. You've yeah. got to go and watch the scene. Yeah, it sounds amazing. Right? Yeah, type it into YouTube, Deconstructing Harry, Kirstie Alley. Um, and have a laugh. I fucking piss myself at this. It's great. So, yeah, yeah, no, she's amazing and I think you're right, she was quite natural as well with Mm. her acting. Yeah. Um, So we want to say hi to Alice Springs because we were up there on the weekend and we did their big Christmas spectacular. That was fun. Up there. I love it up there. Yeah. I love that gig. I love that gig because we're looked after, we get food and drink and then we do two sets of music and the people love it and it was a little bit better this year because we had our own room which was awesome. Yeah. And it's really well organised at the Turf Club there and we'll be coming back uh, soon. I don't know when but we will be coming back soon. And then we did this amazing gig at a house on the Sunday Uh yeah, don't worry. Yeah. Anyway, uh, we did the uh, – what, what was the area where the house was? Gladstone or something? Or no, Oh, yeah, that was the week before. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 The week before, um, that's right. That yes. was Glen Hope. That was Glen, Glen Hope. Hope. It's sort Beautiful of up up near Kyneton, uh, up past Kyneton. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, this beautiful house. And they were just having like a Thanksgiving weekend with their friends. Very yeah. Very wealthy, these people. Yeah. Producers, yeah, TV producers and or yeah. TV producers. And uh, that was awesome. So there was only 30 people there or 40 people there and I loved it. I thought it was great and we did a little five-piece for them and did it out on their porch. So when we were singing Jesse's uh, – sorry, Summer of 69, it was a real thing. That's Standing right. Standing on your mama's porch. They're playing a gig. <laughs> but we'll play for them again. They were lovely. They were, yeah, they they were, were really awesome. They were so great. hello, Tanya. I doubt they'll be listening. We oh, certainly Tanya, did. yes. Did you meet Tanya? Awesome. Yeah, yeah. Tanya and Chris. I I um I doubt they'll be listening to this show because mm. we, we we didn't dare spook it uh, up there. They no, no, we didn't. Ho- horrified, but they were yeah, lovely. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Well, you never know. They were a little out yeah. there, weren't they? Oh, they All loved right. it in the end. Yeah, well, let's look at the Irene Cara track that is incredible and she won a Grammy for Here We Go. when there's nothing but a slow-glowing dream your fear seems to hide deep inside your mind. 
Casablanca Records. That was a record label you saw fucking everywhere in the 80s, in the yeah, late 70s. Yeah, that's right, actually. Donna yeah, Summer was on them. Yeah. And it was so pretty. I remember looking at the record and going, oh, that's nice. It's in the desert with some fucking camels and shit. What's that about? Casablanca. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, I loved I loved that. That's pretty 80s. You could probably do that's a right. podcast on that. Because God, I wonder. Actually, that is a great that is a great topic. Looking at all yeah. the eighties um, labels, labels. Because what, that's right. What happened is like the larger ones came up and ate them all up. You know, they would they would mm. just buy them and incorporate like them, and yeah, they they'd um, buy them and incorporate them, and you'd never, you know, you'd lose all these, you know, beautiful little sort of micro um, record companies. Yeah. Amazing record companies. Not that Casablanca was micro. They were were fucking great. Yeah, they were. They were. Absolutely. So, yeah, Giorgio Moroder is the composer and Keith Fossey and Iron Cara wrote the lyrics and they wrote the lyrics against the last scene where she gets judged and she's doing the big dance-off, you know, that we've seen fucking people rip off a million times. And that was what they wrote to go with that, which is incredible. Wow. I wonder what she scene. really I wonder what she really danced to when she was filming it. You know? Um Oh, that was um oh, crazy legs from fucking Hey, you Rocksteady crew, show us making Yeah, he she was the dancer in a lot of that. Oh wow. Oh, crazy right. legs from um yeah, 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 because I remember when if you really look at the spinning on the ground and a couple of the moves, you can see the wig that's stuck on his head <laughs> and the hair on his legs, sort of thing. Oh, so it's a dead giveaway. Yeah, yeah. But the girl oh, that great. did it, she was like an earlier version of Paula Abdul, this chick. And she mm. used to do all the choreography and came in and did a lot of it. And uh yeah, interesting about that. I mean, you could do a whole podcast on bloody Flashdance as well. I mean, I watch Flashdance yeah. probably every six months. I love <laughs> just it. To, just to top up, yeah. I, just to top up and I enjoy it every single time. Yeah, you yeah know, it's good. I think it's, it's good. a really fantastic movie about living your dream and being a fucking stripper. That's where yeah, you thought but, you were going to yeah. go if you didn't make it. You were going to be a stripper. You that's, know, that's right. That's right. What that was thought. what your mum and dad were worried about. That, that's what they thought was going to happen to you. Yeah, that's right. Absolutely. Mm. 
But, yeah, no, there you go. So that was Flashdance Irene. Now we'll do one, I think, I don't know how long we've been going for, but we'll rush it through. Christine wrote this one, 1982, and it's called Hold Me. Here we go. Good track. That's right. This was the first single release from Mirage, which was the follow-up to Tusk. It would have been very difficult to follow follow up from Tusk. Oh, it was the follow-up from Tusk, was it? Yeah. Oh, wow. I thought it was much later than Tusky. Yeah, no. This but came I out, know. I think, in 82. And that yeah, was still yeah, you're right. That's not far. And Yeah, you're right. That's only a little time away. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Tusk did go forever. You're right. It was like an this epic. This was um, – this whole album that was called Hold Me, but this whole uh, album was a lot lighter, a lot lighter than yes. Tusk. Mm. Yeah, and which, a lot of Christine which, in it as well. I think. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Which was good. Now yeah, I've just right. had a look at. I did want to know this for myself. Uh, Marine Jahan was Jennifer Beale's body double. In the dancing scenes, I don't remember her being that name. She was kept hidden from the press because the filmmakers did not want to run the illusion that Alex couldn't dance. So yeah. the leap through the air in the audition, there was a big leap. She, everyone knows the leap, was done by Sharon Shapiro. Shapiro, yep. and the break yep, dancing was Crazy Legs by Crazy Legs from Rocksteady Crew. Great, and fantastic. It was interesting because I know. It looked like she was doing everything and she had two left feet, two left feet. Wow, lucky she was you know, hot, huh? But she still looked amazing. She looked great. Yeah, yeah. Ah, you know. oh, cool. Yeah, isn't it interesting that they kept her a, f- they kept her a secret? So she would have had well, to keep. Well, you can keep secrets then. Yeah, you know? well, that's right. Yeah, Fuck. that's another good point. And like, there is so much behind the scenes movie trivia from the 80s. Because because of this reason, you could you could completely yeah, right. keep things sort of shut down, um, and not fucking totally everything was being filmed and streamed and accounted for. You know? Yeah, that's right. Mm. Absolutely, it's real. It's a lot harder to make 
a movie or a series now without someone fucking putting something on social media, you know. Yeah. Which yeah. can ruin the whole plot. Fuck yeah. Absolutely. So that's why you sort of sign a contract even as an extra to say you're not going to do that and put it on social media. But apart from that, I think all these three people really established themselves as artists and I think they're lucky in a way to get where they wanted to get, you know. It's yeah. not easy and it it would have been a lot harder than putting yourself on fucking TikTok. You would have had to audition and you would have had to have learnt your skills, you know. That's it. So yeah. to be put out in front of everyone, so many dynamics have to be correct and the stars need to align almost but nowadays it's a bit different but I think it's great. So I thought we'd finish the show with this last one because they were all famous, weren't they? And they had real organic fame. Exactly. Because organic fame is something that we don't – that's the thing. We're never going to see artists like this ever again. No, that's right. No. And that's no, the saddest exactly. part because the industry and people are watching things that are below the belt and not really great. Mm. And – I think that they were really lucky to have the careers they had and they got their dream in the end. Yeah. And now yeah. we live in their world still by their music they put out, th- watching Cheers. I was just watching Cheers before to see if I could get into it. No, it didn't happen. But she <laughs> was in it and I was like, oh, you know, really did stuff with their career. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, but um, apart from that we can we can uh, listen, we can – have a listen to this track. This is the epitome of fame, you know. I want to live forever. I want to learn how to fly. Baby, remember my name, you know. That's uh, awesome. exactly what happens when you are famous and it's horrible when you've been a part of someone's life and then you do pass away and you don't have to know anyone. You just have to, you know, f- you feel a loss. That's what I'm trying to say. Here we go.
There you go. What a song. So exciting. Great to hear it again. Yep. Vicky Sue Robinson and Luther Vandross were backing vocals on this track as well. Is that right? Which is incredible. Yeah, incredible. Wow. And, you know, there was some incredible musos because this is just at the end of the 70s too where you're getting that really good bass line and really good drums. And the guitar work is fucking incredible in it because it follows the keyboard line and it makes sense, you know, that, that the guitar does the whole keyboard line, which yeah. sometimes doesn't work that well, you know. It's not nah. really something you do. But I think the musos were fantastic and she – you have to sing an Irene Cara to actually understand how great her register was. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Because I used to bleed trying to reach her voice at 12. I mean she came out – She, I was 10 when she came out – So I was trying to sing these songs at 10. That's a big sing for a little girl. But appreciate the fact that she has come out and done that because that's where you get your standard from. Yeah. If if you're not set a standard, you do think you're kind of good when you're shit. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And, And then you get set a standard and even if you can't reach the note, you're not happy with it. Yeah. Like people just get happy about anything now. I've got students that I teach and they go, oh, there you go, I got that note but I didn't get that note. And I'm like, yeah, but that's what fucking matters, mate. Yeah. That you didn't get that note. It's not about yeah. getting the fucking notes before it. you got to get the whole lot, you know. Yeah, so that's right. really interesting. But, yeah, that's our show for this week. Really sorry to three. I mean, look, do you know what? We've got two weeks until Christmas. Would not be surprised if we lose another five people. Ah, yeah, yeah, exactly right. It always happens around Christmas. And look, yeah. I, I mean, with this show, we really do, it's it's not in any way premeditated. It's exactly sort of coming from what's happening in our life. And, and you know, yeah. it's, um, ah, you know, a lot of this shit's been going on. And we, yeah, we just got to sort of talk about it. And, and, um, yeah. but look, as we're saying at the top of the show, if you're fucking freaked out, if you're stressed out, just give somebody a call, and if it's not yeah, a friend, if you don't, right. if you feel too vulnerable with a friend, call Lifeline. Yep. You know, like it's yeah, so easy. Right. You'll feel so much better after making that call. I'm, I know it sounds like a cliche, but you will feel like you've done something about it, and and like that is worth so much. You know, like somebody just might be able to help you. So, um, yes. Yeah, guys, but um, Lifeline. We've got a really big. Um, sorry, just want to mention saying? their number. If that's, I'll just mention their number. Lifeline yeah. number is one three double one one four one three double one one four. Ring them, even if you're just having a shit day, man. They don't care. That's what they're there that's for. That's their job, mate. That's what they're there for. Because it has got on top. The thing is, December just happened, didn't it? Yeah. There was really no did. time. Like I remember yep. doing March gigs going, oh, my God, December is miles away. And then it just went bang. And I think it's been really fast for people and that's really hard to come to do. And then we've had to get back into life again after having two years of nothing. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, tough times, guys. Just go easy on yourself and go easy yeah. on the have loved ones around you. Yeah, have, have a, a drink, smoke. mate. Have a joint. Mm. You know, whatever it takes. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Fucking hell. But um, look, guys, we actually have a really good uh, big summer of episodes for the 80s montage. 
Um, we've got some great topics we're having chat about it the other day. We're going to be talking about ghosts. We're going to be mm. talking about tough guys from the 80s. We're going to be talking about the 80s apocalypse, uh, looking at films like Escape from New York and Mad Max and all things like that. The Death of Disco. We're going to be looking at bullies and mean girls. And yeah. we'll even throw in there, you know, the um, the record companies from the yeah, 80s. Yeah, yeah, record companies from, from the 80s. Yeah. Yeah. Some, so some really awesome topics coming up. So thank you for hanging in there. Big hello to our subscribers. Become a subscriber if you're listening for the first time, guys. Easy as hitting the subscribe button on over 10 different platforms. Uh, you can become a Patreon as well for as little as $1.50 a month. For $10 a month, you get the extra episodes. Um, and it's a great way of supporting us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. It's a great way of, um, uh, you know, supporting the show. If you really love it, jump on board. You're like a sort of private investor in this awesome little company of ours called the 80s mm. Montage. Please, And it also keeps everyone. us connected with you. So if you subscribe for $1.50, we know that you might want to come to a live show. So we can send you maybe an email to say, hey, we're at this venue, blah, 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 or if we ever move. So it's a good way to subscribe and see who is actually interested because I think next year we should really start doing the live podcasts that we were going to do before COVID because that would be really interesting. Oh, we had a fucking great um, – we had a great live show that was lined up and then sort of COVID hit. We um, Yeah. Um, right. You know, going to have a DJ and a trivia night we and that were, was going to be yeah. our live show. It was going to be really yeah, exciting. that's right. So, so we we'll will get that. around to doing that. We're going to do a live show and we've got a great venue in mind to do it in, guys. So keep listening. We'll sell tickets to that very soon once we have it booked. Yeah. But um, that's us. Please like, share, rate and review. Give us five stars and get amongst it, guys. Thank you all for your support. Uh, and look, have a great December as we lead up to Christmas. Yeah, so you're coming over next week to do a couple of eps. That's right. Can't yeah, wait now to get out, out of the house and come over. Yeah, be really yes, good. Yes, because awesome. we're doing the Forum Theatre next Friday with Country Road. Country Road are coming on board and Very we're doing exciting. their big. Yeah, that'll be. That's probably fantastic that that's happening. And I want to say hi to Bree that we did her little thing in Sydney as well. Wasn't little, was at the Crown Plaza Ballroom. And just on topic of uh being coming a Patreon, the Patreon address is patreon.com forward slash the eighties montage podcast. And you can find everything on there. And a big hello to our listeners in Hungary. I believe we charted there, Sammy. Yes, I think it was hungry. Yeah, it's been going really. They were hungry for the '80s montage. That's right. They couldn't get enough. Good on them, nah, guys. Good on Thank them. You. Absolutely. Now, lots of love to all our listeners around the world. And if it's music, mateys, or cool shit from the '80s, we're going to talk about it. Unreal. <laughs> <laughs>